0: Okay. Welcome back, besties. Hey, everybody. We have a very special guest today. I can't wait for you to meet her. So Dawn, let's just jump right in and
1: we want you to introduce yourself. Oh, cool. Okay. So my name is Dr. Dawn Hyman. I am an audiologist and I work in and have a private practice in the Western suburbs of Chicago where I work with a lot of people who are struggling with communication issues, depression, social isolation, high anxiety because of their tinnitus or their untreated hearing loss.
0: Hi, I'm Casey and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here?
2: Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can have real lasting joy. Join us every
0: Thursday to hear fun and insightful interviews with experts who can point you toward self-discovery and fulfillment. So for the listeners, can you just give us some examples of what that might... Well, can you tell us what that is? Can you tell us what that might look like? And anything else you want to tell us about that before we start grilling you with some
1: questions? Absolutely. So our practice is a smaller boutique practice. We have five providers and we get referrals and people traveling from Wisconsin, Indiana. They travel for hours through Illinois to come see us because we do more than your typical audiology office and we're meeting them at their needs when they've exhausted all other resources. We're like their third, fourth, fifth referral. And so a lot of what we do is sit and listen. And then we are referring to mental health providers quite a bit because with our depression screenings, we're finding that they are struggling More with what's happening to their bodies, let alone how it's cascading into their life than they're realizing. And I believe that this is so important. And I'm so grateful that I'm on this podcast because there are so many ways that mental health professionals and audiologists could be networking and referring back and forth to each other because hearing loss is a hidden disorder that most people don't want to admit that they have. And it's like, actually, I went, I was giving a presentation a few years back, and the person who presented before me was talking about mental health issues. And he said that he was there to speak about the non-casserole dish problem. He said, if a church finds out that someone had a heart attack or they have cancer, everyone like bands together and they bring all these Dishes with casseroles in them for the family. But if you find out that someone has a mental health disorder, there's no train of food coming. And the same thing happens with hearing loss. No one wants to talk about it. It's the big taboo. People feel shame around it. And we have to stop that. I want to bring the light to it and just have everyone just start talking about it. Let's save some marriages. Let's help people to get out and find joy in their life and stop just hiding and pretending that they have to deal with this all by themselves,
2: yeah. what you just said reminds me of a couple of things. like a lot of times I find in in the mental health practice that people who have hearing loss as a child often struggle with attachment because. They were always, so like, let's say that they had mild or medium hearing loss until they were, let's say 12 and they didn't know. Well, they just thought the kid just wouldn't listen. And it was a communication barrier. And so I'm finding like, I'm getting like generations down from that where there's like attachment issues that are stemming from maybe that period of time. Do you see that
1: often? Well, you know, there's, even when they become adults later on, right? Like there was always that one person, their mom usually that helped guide them or supported them, advocated for them or maybe over-advocated, helicopter parented a little too much in my opinion and then made it so that that person didn't feel like that they had the power to be their own person. And then also sometimes if and when a child is diagnosed with something, the parents seem to coddle that kid differently than the other siblings. And then there's sibling rivalry or the others are acting out because that one seems to be treated differently. And then that person also feels like they're invincible in the sense where they don't have to be accountable for stuff. Is that resonating with what you're seeing? Yeah, it's actually kind of polar opposite,
2: but it's you know i'm talking about well i was referring to like generations back like probably three generations when like hearing loss you didn't hear much about it and now it you know i could see both ends of it what do you think
0: yeah so you you're thinking more about like children and my mind goes straight to the elderly because i remember just within my own family how my grandparents well none of the men in my family could hear and they all we, you know, we all just kind of always joked about it. It's like that they don't listen to anything, you know, whatever. But now that I'm older, I, I actually don't think they could hear. I think there was some hearing impairment because it like my grandfather, my dad, my brother, like it's 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 everyone. But you know, as I was writing my book and I was thinking a lot about the stories and the scenarios that came up between my grandmother and my grandfather, I noticed a very drastic decline in both of their healths after they lost more of their hearing. I noticed their mental health went d- when my grandfather. I mean, he always wore hearing hearing aids, but I don't think they worked. <laughs> but I just noticed that when his hearing got worse, so did his just morale. Like he didn't want to be around. He was very social he was always at church, he would go to Walmart, just to talk to people. And when that started happening, he, was, he very much isolated himself. And I noticed a trickle-down effect to a lot of other
1: problems in his life. Yeah, that unfortunately can be the case. It tends to be that most people wait, on average, easily seven years after the first time they were diagnosed with a hearing loss. They were told they should do something. Then they wait seven years. Seven years is a long time to let's say not be able to see well, right? And then see if you can start speed reading really quick after a correction. But usually that means that once they got there, it was probably they were hiding it for 10 years. So now we're up to maybe 17 years, could be 20 years before it's that bad and they try to do something and it's the use it or lose it principle. We're now seeing in many studies around the world where they are looking post morbid at the brains the size of the brains and the the portion of our brain that we are processing speech and they actually shrink in those that have untreated hearing loss or they waited their cognitive decline is 3 times more likely if they have even a mild hearing loss it's crazy and then socially i teach a, an oral rehab course at rush university for their doctoral program for audiology And a lot of the research is out there showing that a lot of people don't do something because of the way that others maybe they saw or they themselves picked on someone or made fun of them because of the hearing loss. So Disney didn't help. I worked at Walt Disney World in college and I love Disney, but we have Dumbo, we have Dopey, we have all these characters that had big ears and they were deaf and dumb. And it's like the comic relief to make fun of someone who has a hearing loss, then when that happens to you and you didn't schedule it, and it's none of it's not your fault. could be genetic. could have been just you worked in around large loud tractors okay you you worked around a lot of loud noise, and what happens? your ears change, and it catches up with you later and now you'll be i don't know who's this audience. you'll be damned if you're gonna do something about it because. You don't want to be the butt of everyone's jokes because you were the one that was leading the jokes or yeah. you laughed along with. You know, the bully doesn't want to be bullied. But yeah. what's ironic is that two things have happened that I've seen over the last 25 years. Number one, nobody ever said, I'm so glad I waited to get help. They're always like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Secondly, they find out nobody's making fun of them after they do something about it. They're actually being cheered on. Their family's like so happy for them. They're high fiving. The tears are there. They're giving hugs and they're just so grateful to be able to just connect again. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be so hard, but it's a mental barrier to get treatment.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. I can, I can see how that could just affect interpersonal relationships in general. I can't even imagine. I mean, it's hard enough to maintain interpersonal relationships with healthy ears and hearing and imagine, you know, missing that whole component. Yeah. Do you, maybe this is just ridiculous, but do you ever notice that people, is this something that people will compensate for in other ways? Like when they can't hear, are they more perceptive of you know, do you find that any of your patients like read body language better or, you know, have they learned that? Or is this just kind of one of those things that that doesn't really happen so much?
1: It depends on the the person and how old they are. So when I worked in a children's hospital, I knew when I was working with a kiddo who had a hearing loss because I would give them these pegs. Let's say they're three or four years old and we give them this this like bin of pegs and say, every time you hear the beep, play the game. We just teach them. You know, even even if it's just conditioning them without language, and the kids with hearing loss always created rainbow patterns or some sort of design, and they were very specific with what color they're going to choose and where they will place it. The kids with normal hearing didn't really care; they were just like, and they would just just it would just be a random whatever. You know, they were done, we're out. You know, with the adults, it's interesting. It depends on where they are in their life. Are they willing to learn something new? A lot of them, this is where mental health comes in, that they just might just have a defeatist attitude. And they're, they refused. I, mean, I have one patient, terrible hearing from being a car mechanic, racing cars, all kinds of stuff. All the engines just killed his ears. And when he finally came in for treatment, we could only treat one side. And even at that, it wasn't great. You could only hear a portion of the piano range. But he won't look you in the eyes and he won't watch your lips. And I'm like, hey, you got you to watch me. He goes, no, 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 that would be rude. That would be rude. I can't do that. So he's missing out on visual cues because he thinks it would be rude if he looked you in the face, which is so sad. And I can't seem to get through to him that it's a good thing to use all of your senses to figure out what someone's saying. So it depends. I have very few adults that have significant hearing loss that say, you know, maybe I'll go to the uh, local community college and learn sign language. Yeah. Or I could imagine people that
0: have been diagnosed with autism and hearing loss, that would be a very difficult combination because they probably will not make eye contact or, you know, they'll be very... That's an excellent
1: point. I know a lot of audiologists and back in the day I used to, I was kind of the deciding factor is this child going to see a neurodevelopmental pediatrician or are we going to fit them with hearing aids? Because they don't respond to their name. They don't seem, they're not talking. We don't know. Do they have a significant hearing loss or are they autistic? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the parents that would start crying when you find out it's not hearing loss because that's a whole nother ball of wax to go into. But yeah, that's an excellent point though. I never thought about it.
0: Yeah, I can see how you know, your industry and our industry is really connected. And that's kind of what we talk about a lot on this podcast is how there are so many connections within our lives about things, but we don't even, like we're all so busy and so focused and driven and hypervigilant that we really don't even take the time to think about
1: and and connect those points. No, we have two, they're tongue in cheek, they're cute, different types of signs in our office. Let's say we save marriages (laughs) and we get a lot of laughs about it. Like, "Ah, that's so true, you know, but, you know, and the reason why it's tongue in cheek is usually it would be you all that are saving marriages, but sometimes it's just a communication breakdown.
2: Yeah. I never realized. So we went to the audiologist conference in Texas, Texas, but I never realized how much that would play a factor in my everyday practice as a therapist. I've had a few referrals from the school of the deaf.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, in
2: Danville. In Danville. And a lot of people with parents who had hearing problems, like childhood hearing loss, and a few that actually have, what would you, what's the term? She, so I. I had a former client
0: that, in her words, she says she is hard of hearing, and it, it was really interesting to kind of see just just progressions over clients' lifespans and in in therapy, and how just think and you may have seen it in your own clients too, but like there's there's definitely themes that come up with hearing loss and for mental health in our in our industry, and I think a lot of it goes back to what Kelsey was saying. It's that in children you know we see in in adults too but that lack of attachment in some way or even an unhealthy attachment so where a, a child can never be alone without the parent like you were talking about the helicopter mom you know all of these unhealthy attachments that then either the child grows up to have they can't advocate for themselves or you know they're they have codependent relationships unhealthy enmeshment with the parents or No, there's all kinds of things that we've noticed. And I used to work primarily out of Danville. And there is a school um, for the depth there that that has been there for, gosh, a couple hundred years or so. (laughs) It's been around forever. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's been around forever, ever, ever. But so when I worked in that community, a lot of my clients went to school there and I, I would work with them and their family. So I have Worked with a lot of people with hearing loss and i I've just seen i've i've one seen how it's not taken seriously, like you said it's it's under treated because people won't go to the doctor, and it really does have an impact on your development
1: mm-hmm. yeah, your ability to hold your job or for people to understand that you actually are very smart, you just didn't hear them correctly, and there are a lot of like You look at anyone, you have no idea if they have a hearing loss. You have no idea if they're thinking about something else or they really didn't process what you said. And unless we see the actual numbers and see how great it is, meaning bad, or see how much even in quiet, how much they're missing, most people wouldn't know or understand, oh, this person is like macular degeneration or they're legally blind. They wear a device that helps them, but it's never going to restore them to a normal level versus others that they, they, it's easy. It's mild. We can correct it and no problem. So there's a, there are two different cultures here though, too. There are those that have a significant hearing loss that identify themselves as hard of hearing or deaf. The majority of all people, maybe like your grandpa, you know, or even me. Okay. Actually, we're both wearing glasses, right? I don't see myself as vision impaired. Mm-hmm. yeah, but I wear glasses in context. I actually wear three different kinds. you know so if you don't identify with a certain culture, you might not get the resources you need. Yeah, that's a good and point. there's people that don't feel like if if I'm in now I'm all in and it's not like that. you're just helping yourself mm-hmm. and it's a quality of life issue
2: that's and the, and it's not normalized to like go get your hearing checked regularly like our eyes like 100 like go get your ass checked. I I would be interested. I think in kids it's more normalized than it used to be, but like as an adult I've never been told like, "Hey, you should go have a hearing checkup."
1: Uh-huh. Exactly. We need to change that. I most adults that I meet, I'm like, "When was the last time you he- had your hearing tested?" and they're like, "Never." I don't know, maybe third grade? I have no idea. So we have no baseline. We have yeah. no idea how fast this progressed. We have no idea how easily it could be pulled back if like they were sent to Someone for a certain medication, you just have no idea. So we just kind of move forward and say, okay, let's write history. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. My last question that I have, you might have one. I have one,
0: but well, yeah. you ask yours first. I'm curious how you got. That's what I was going to ask. Go
2: ahead, and ask it.
0: I just want to know, like, why audiology? Why? How did you end up there? And what was it? Did, do you have like some background or
1: story that, or is it just? A little bit of both. I knew I wanted to help people. I thought maybe I'll become an occupational therapist. Then I found out that the first summer of college, I was supposed to do macrame and stuff and I don't do crafts. So that was out. And then some people introduced me to like, you know, maybe you should do a communication disorders class. And I found out that it was taught by an audiologist who headed Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh's audiology department. And it meets my personality. I can identify somebody and I already know how to start treatment today. I get it. I, it's, I'm a fixer. I would love... I can't fix everything, but I really try hard. And then looking back into it, I remember being an eight-year-old at Camp Notre Dame. It was like a two-week summer camp or something like that. And all the cabins had a buddy cabin. So when you, whenever you did something, you were met up with your buddy. Our cabin all had hearing loss. And so my buddy... And this was in the, the early 80s. She didn't wear hearing aids. She taught me what my name sign is. I had to learn how to sign and I had to learn how to like get her attention because I couldn't just randomly talk about that bird over there. I'd have to like get her attention and stuff. And never occurred to me till that point in my life that there are some people that simply can't hear, let alone learn how to speak. The technology of today is way different. So there are so few children now that even sign. Or there's those that do both, which is great in their educational system. They're signing and they have the amplification because of newborn hearing screenings. But that's probably my story, if anything, because it was uh, very profound for me and it left a big impression on me for sure. Yeah, it's really nice to
0: see people in that in that profession that have that, you know, I have that story or that desire to. And I know everyone wants to help people, but, you know, some people, I think, want to help people
1: more than others. Yeah, true. Yeah, I definitely love my job.
0: Also, will you tell us, because you, you came in mind uh, whenever we were talking about like the launch of the book and like promoting the book and with with a conference and meet you in Kentucky and all of those things because you are very high achieving, I'm not going to say over-functioning, but like very high achieving female. And like how how do you do it? And what are you, you're involved in a lot of things. So can you just maybe tell us that too? I
1: currently also see a therapist myself and she's always asking me, like, she's like, why do you always feel like you have to be up here? Couldn't you just be down here with the rest of us? And I was like, I don't, I don't know how to not tackle something or have five plates up in the air at the same time. Cause I, I have, Been given gifts that were like trophies of squirrels or stuffed animals of squirrels because shiny objects are my thing, and I always feel so much energy and passion towards trying to like tackle that thing. Or I'm always wondering like, could we do it differently? Do I have to try to invent something? No, but do I want to? Hell yeah, you know. So (laughs) I don't know. I just I can't stop myself, and I do love collaborating with others, especially audiologists and trying to tackle this so that we can help more people faster. Just who I am. I don't, it's in my DNA. I don't think I can really change it. Even if my therapist tries, it's not happening. (laughs) Only when I get stressed out, she's like, okay, can can we just bring it down for a moment?
0: (laughs) Well, and I mean, on the positive side of that, at least it's something that clearly does bring you joy. And so I think that makes it that makes the effort and the input so much easier. It's not it, work. Absolutely. Yeah. You have any thoughts? Me, y'all thought out?
2: I don't know. I've really enjoyed this. It kind of gave me a lot I've wrote little notes over here. And I might go get my hearing tested. I know. I think we both should. Yeah, definitely. I don't I think she that.
0: I don't think she can hear anything. I don't def- <laughs> I definitely can't. No, I don't think so. Well, we are so thankful that you took time out of your busy, busy, busy day to record this podcast with us. And I hope that people that are listening are like, mm, maybe we should go too. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it does have such a big impact. And even, you know, even mental health providers, we didn't even realize it until we were in Texas. And we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is, we need to talk about this more.
1: We do. And I, I love, thank you. I appreciate you having me on here because it wasn't until you asked me to come to Kentucky, did it really occur to me that we really should be networking together and this is a huge opportunity yeah, yeah, for absolutely. marketing, but even just the collaboration for the good of people of any age, though good. And it, it's it's definitely something, again, another, why don't we do this kind of thing? Why can't we do this together and figure it out so that all of our clients are helped? If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review
0: wherever you get your podcast, so we can keep making great content. Talk to you later, besties.